You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis and Lieutenant Commander Aurora Babalu, our Chief Science Officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Fleet Admiral Ben Knight not with us. Uh, he was swallowed by a gigantic parasitic organism and has disappeared mm-hmm. with inside it. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, by the next episode, we will find out what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Also slash Tilly. I think Tilly disappeared, <laughs> Aurora. Uh, yeah, what a strange episode this was. Very strange. Num- yes. Number one, I have no idea what the title of this episode meant, and <laughs> uh, like relation to what happened. In what this happened? Episode. Yeah. I mean, okay, so the I guess this episode did deal in death a little bit, and mm-hmm. as I was uh, talking to you guys about last week, Karen in the episode title uh, of this uh, of this particular Star Trek episode was a was a Greek uh, apparently a, a farrier like it would carry you in, in Hades on its boat uh, across mm-hmm. the river Styx so I guess in that regard it's a long stretch to kind of talk about death. We're, we're talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 2 Episode 4 an obol for Karen uh, or mm-hmm. Sharon depending on how you want to pronounce it. I don't know how the writers pronounce it but I'm just going off of what the interwebs told me about this Greek right. character, everybody. Um, in a lot of ways, this kind of felt like very much like a TOS episode. Very much like a TOS episode, yes. But then there was also some just kind of some weird... There's a lot of weird stuff going on with this fungal parasite thing. There, I mean, there were a lot of different things happening. I, at some point, I was confused. I had to go back and like watch things again. Yeah, well, the <laughs> the rundown of this episode that I'm about to give you and everybody else, Aurora, is not going to help because there's not much of one, to be honest. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we start off with uh, Captain Pike meeting number one, his uh, first officer played by Rebecca Romaine. Uh, I could have sworn that number one has a name. But when I went looking, yeah. she does not. Mm-hmm. Her name is never given. So hopefully maybe we learn it in the show. It becomes part of the Star Trek lore. But mm-hmm. for now, mm-hmm. she was just number one. Uh, she met up with Pike to uh, give him the... Uh, essentially to put him on the trail to intercept Spock's shuttle. Uh, of course, we learned that he supposedly 
murdered some people at the uh, the institution he had put himself in, uh, but then murdered some people and escaped, we were led to believe anyway. Right. Uh, and they're on their way to intercept Spock when a mysterious sphere-like entity drops Discovery out of warp and essentially locks it into place. Uh, and it is messing with all sorts of systems, uh, including in the, the, the spore lab in engineering, which is where Tilly and uh, Stamets uh, still are. Because uh, obviously he, Stamets had just pulled that fungal parasite thingy out of Tilly in the last episode, and they were right. studying it. Uh, Jet Reno is also hanging out in the lab uh, when things go haywire. Uh, thanks to this mysterious sphere and the parasite escapes uh, its uh, containment and reattaches itself to Tilly. Uh, during... Tilly is not having a good time this season. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> this is so not fun. This is what becoming she she started this command training program and it's all gone downhill since then. Uh, so it, it latches onto her and she is trying to, uh, I, I guess they're trying to communicate with the parasite because Jet and Stamets are not certain as to its intentions. Stamets mm-hmm. is taking the pessimistic view that it is just trying to control her. Right. And certainly when they eventually put a cortical implant into Tilly's head, um, which, by the way, that was tough. Because this is not like the future, the the future, future Aurora with like Borgs and Cortex pro- like processor thingies that you can just slap on somebody's head like a sticker or something. They actually had to yeah. drill into poor Tilly's temple a little bit to put this, this cortical monitor thingy into her. But it allowed yeah. them to communicate with the parasite a little bit. Uh, and Stamets took its words as hostile. Uh, but Jet Reno is kind of on the more optimistic side and maybe thinking that um, it's just trying to communicate with us. But mm, it's kind of still up in the air as to whether or not this is this thing is a good thing or a bad thing. What we do learn is that uh, this parasite it really belongs to a, a race, I guess. And it, it appears that they live in the mycelial network the right where all of the spore traveling happens and all of the spore drive um transportation that discovery has been doing has been wreaking havoc to essentially their home uh and this particular fungal parasite entity thing has been sent here to tell them about it which is why she she thinks stamets is the captain of the ship because right. he's the one who pilots it. Um, eventually, this thing completely engulfs Tilly, uh, and they get her out once, but she ends up back in it again, uh, and they they can't seem to find her. So, uh, and the next episode uh, recap, by the way, uh, or the preview for next week's episode, seems to suggest that they're going to somehow go into the mycelial network to try to find her. She's like lost in it somehow Mm -hmm. or something. So that could be interesting. Uh, Meanwhile, all of this is happening. Saru is sick and he's getting sicker uh, by the moment. At at first he tries to tell everybody uh, that it is just like a cold 
or something, but it clearly becomes uh, evident that it is not just a cold. Um, he's going through the the vera the vera eye the vera high. Mm-hmm. Not good with my alien languages yet, Aurora. But um, <laughs> it is the Kelpian terminal biological process. It's something that Kelpians go through right before they are culled, um, which is something that is covered in the short trek episode uh, that featured Saru. Uh, they kind of talk about uh, his life and their species. Uh, culture in that um, in that short episode Uh, and all of this is going on they're stuck this magical mysterious space sphere biological entity type thing is keeping them in place and Spock all the while his trail is getting he's getting further and further away soon Mm -hmm. he'll be out of sensor range and Pike is just like, okay, well, I don't want to do this, but we're going to have to just blow up this big circle thing so we can intercept Spock. And uh, what it essentially boils down to is Saru, even though he's dying, is healthy enough to help Burnham uh, essentially at least form a hypothesis about what's happening here. And they eventually are able to determine that the reason the ship is in overload constantly is that the sphere is trying to transmit data to it. They've determined that the, uh, the sphere, this organism is on the verge of dying and it just wants to let somebody know about where it's been and what it's done and what it's accumulated. And Saru then surmises that, uh, again, we've been learning a lot about the Kelpian superpowers this week. Uh, or not this week, but this season. Um, he knows a lot of languages. He, uh, and by the way, that was established uh, further in the beginning of this episode when mm-hmm. the Universal Translators were freaking out. Uh, he knows a lot of languages. He has super eyesight. They can sense the coming of death. And also, they have super empathy powers, Aurora. So empathetic are the Kelpians that just being in the presence of an organism of this nature dying it actually triggered the biological death process in Saru. Right. Right. Um, which, boy, that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. What a terrible yeah. superpower to have. <laughs> like, I think having, uh, I think the more empathy, the better. But I think that would be the line where I would draw it, that, that I don't want to be no, so yeah. empathetic that I would also die if I saw someone dying <laughs> is too much for me. That's where the line gets drawn. <laughs> but... Uh, we get this, so the, they're like, look, what we should do is just let it in, let it give us the information. And then they surmise that it will then let us, let it go. And that's what happens. They, they give in and then this fear essentially dies, but it sort of like explodes outwardly. Uh, but before that happens, it also pushes, pushes the discovery out of range. Uh, so it would not be harmed by its death, essentially, by this sphere's death. And uh, one of the, you know, by the time this all happens, Spock's shuttle is out of range. Uh, So it seems like all hope is lost. Plus, Saru is still dying. We get this scene with Michael and Saru where he's basically like, look, uh, I'm going to die. And 
it's either going to be painful or you can help me make it painless. Like if you cut off the threat ganglia thingies, it will just kill me. Um, and Burnham is really, rel- uh, you know, hesitant to do this, but eventually Saru kind of convinces her. And as she's about to do it, they kind of fray off on their own and then just fall off. Mm-hmm. And Saru doesn't die. In fact, he feels incredible. In fact, he he doesn't feel a constant s- sense of fear or paranoia or anything. In fact, he feels empowered. Uh, and this sort of puts a whole bunch of questions into his head about um, his planet and his whole species culture and way of life and way of thinking, um, which hopefully will be something they explore further in the future. We'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, but... Uh, as they're pouring over the data that this sphere had given them, like over a hundred thousand years of experience and things that it has seen, one of the last things it saw Aurora just so happens to be Spock shuttle and they're able to get a lock on it and yeah. uh, they're in pursuit. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of episode four? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better than last week's episode. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I mean, I feel like there were moments in this episode where I was like, oh, this is cool. And mm-hmm. then there were moments in this episode that I had the opposite reaction. Like, this sucks. Yeah. I don't like this. Um, I, If we think about the things that I thought were cool. One, when everybody was talking different languages, that was amazing. I loved everything about yeah, that. That was very cool. Especially listening to Saru speak Spanish. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> How was it? Was the Spanish okay? It was good. It was good. Okay. Um, I also like that Thich Notaro is back. Of course, yes, she's excellent. She, oh, she's so good. I love, I love every scene she's in. Yeah, she's really <laughs> funny. Yes, and I love that she, they paired her with Tilly. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. right. They're that, very that opposite awesome. ends. Of, yeah, they're very opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of yes. their funniness. Right, right. But it works. It works so well. Mm-hmm. Um. So I like that. I like the the whole story with Tilly and having that organism attached to her. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. But yep. I hated, hated the story of Sarudine. Yeah. I hated it so much. I was really upset. <laughs> oh, well, in the sense that it just made you like, no. what was worse for me is that I remembered this talk that he's going to be in this new show, the actor, obviously, Mm-hmm. Um, is going to be in this new show, and there was this talk that he might not be around for the whole season. Mm. And I'm like, oh man, this is how he goes out. He, mm-hmm. fe- he felt bad for a dying space ball, and then he dies. Uh, yeah, that's a bad way to go out. But they didn't. In fact, I to me that was my favorite part of this episode because they did something really interesting with, um, you know, it turns out that uh, if you they go through this process it isn't a biological death process presumably mm-hmm. um it it's painful but then the threat ganglia it's almost like they mature or it's like something evolving. yeah like a weird kelpian puberty or something maybe <laughs> where they have like these growing pains and the threat ganglia things they fall off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like then they're you know they've grown up essentially. And yeah, 
I mean, I don't know where they're going with this, but I get the feeling that their whole culture is when somebody goes through this process, they either go through the culling, because obviously they talk about how there's like another species that would hunt them. But mm. what's really revealed in the the Short Treks episode is that the culture is really more religious than that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's almost like, if yeah, have you seen it? It's almost mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it's almost like they willingly give themselves up to be eaten, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it sounds like they either go through that process or to to spare them the pain, somebody cuts off the threat ganglia, which kills them. But it sounds like, at least what we've learned here, is that if the process is allowed to go through unfettered, that maybe it's painful, but the threat ganglia thingy that falls off and they don't die, and then as a result, they are changed. Mm-hmm. And if only this happened on to everybody on their planet, they wouldn't be a planet of prey with predators. They'd be like their own... Fighters. They'd, yeah, they'd be themselves. Mm-hmm. They'd be their own people. Yeah. And it'll be amazing to see if they go through... Like, Saru must be now torn. Like, his wanting to go back to his home planet to share this information with people... It could mm-hmm. totally change their society forever, their but but they're also very pre-warp. You can't mm-hmm. you can't just drop in. Um, you know, and uh, Saru was very like talking about how like he left his sister without even letting her know that he mm-hmm. was leaving, like all of this stuff. Uh, very interesting to see what they do with it. And it and was I, like the story is interesting. I just hated the way that they executed the 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 whole thing because. Yeah. I feel you. like I feel like that whole storyline would have been better if they dedicated more time to it in this in this episode. But there were so many things happening, yeah, that it was hard to focus on one story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the mysterious space sphere thingy. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I like the whole. Is it a? Th- you know, we don't know what this is. This is nothing like encountering another what we would consider a normal sentient life form with arms and legs and a voice. Mm -hmm. So we don't, it's very TOS. What is this thing? We don't know what it is. Is it hostile? Is it friendly? It seems hostile, but that we could just be misunderstanding it. Like that's a very uh, original series concept. So I, I like that they did something with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, the thing that I was like least uh, to me, the least interesting thing was the, parasite thingy to me mm. I, I i became more interested once i once they elaborated a bit more yeah and they're yeah. like it's a species and it lives in the mycelial network and they've been fucking up their neighborhood essentially mm-hmm. and then in the end when we sort of learn that it um or at least in the the preview i saw for next week tells me that it dragged tilly essentially into the network right um and that they have to go find her essentially is that's interesting to me. So yeah. it, it definitely caught me by the end, but up until that point, I was not particularly interested, but I think I was more interested in that than the other stories, just because I love Tilly so much. Yes. <laughs> um, she I was love high again in her. this episode. Yes. Yes. Second time she's been high in this television show. <laughs> and we saw, we saw Stamets and what's the, the uh, Dick Notero's name? Jet, Jet Reno. Jet, Jet. They were also high at one point. Oh, yeah, they got dosed. Yeah, their heads were getting all wobbly and changing (laughs) sizes. 
Yeah, and he asked her to slap him in the face so that he can focus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They're like, you've got dust on your face. <laughs> yeah, you too. That was so good. <laughs> good times. Um, um, yeah. And I like the, the little skit at the beginning when they are like in the briefing room and, and this other alien. Oh, uh, Linus. Yes. Yeah, the one who was sick. Like, He's like, I, I had a, the flu too, and it was, it sucked. It sucked. And everybody, yeah, and everybody looked at him, and he, I have like six nasal cavities. Like, just, <laughs> yes. It sucked. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a cold with six nasal cavities. Yeah, I like that a lot. Oh, my god. And goodness. I like that it was something that I remember, because in the previous episode, I don't know if it was previous episode or the other, the one be, before that, mm-hmm. uh, Michael gets in the elevator with him, and he's like sick. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the first, uh, yeah. the first episode, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that's a little like cool detail that they uh, dragged a little callback. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I remember. So number one showed up in this episode. I'm wondering how often she's going to be in this ep- or like in the show because um, she's listed as notable guest because she showed up and then she was just not there anymore. I'm like, mm-hmm. did she leave? Where did she come from? What's happening? <laughs> Because, <laughs> uh, like, all this stuff was happening, and it's like, where's number one this whole time? But I guess mm-hmm. she left after she gave him the Spock info. Uh, yeah. But So that's weird. Uh, and, again, that's the... I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the Spock character as it relates to the Red Angel mystery thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm less interested in the whole... Um, the thing that I didn't like about the Saru dying thing was that they, I don't know, this whole thing has just not felt good to me. I haven't liked it. Uh, And it just rang home again when he's like, I'm dying. I never told my sister I was leaving. Like, she doesn't, she's just, all she knows is that I disappeared one day. Saru's like, promise me you'll mend your relationship with Spock. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if they mend their relationship. (laughs) Mainly because this is like the Titanic situation. They'd be like going to watch Titanic for the story of do they or don't they survive the ship. Right. Like, that's right, not the right. point of the Titanic movie. It's about the romantic relationship. Like, you know the ship's sinking, and you know right. at least one of them is dying. Right, uh, right. I already know the answer to does they do they heal their relationship. And it's mm-hmm. no, because Spock never mentions her again. I'm going to keep saying right. this for as long as they keep trying to tell me, you know, will they or won't they heal their relationship? Mm-hmm. It'll be really weird if they heal their relationship and Spock's like, you're my sister, but I must never mention you to anyone. Ever. Right. I'll right. mention my other weird half-brother before I'll ever mention you. I mean, unless something happens where he actually forgets about her. Maybe. His memory is erased or something, and Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that could make some sense. They could find yeah. a way to, they could find a way to make it work. They do yeah. continue, by the way. I like the little things they do with Pike mm-hmm. to sort of, sort of gently nudge their, the continuity together. Where he's talking with number one about the holographic things, he's like, ah, oh, I hate those things. He's like, we're just sticking <laughs> to normal view screens. He's like, they look like ghosts. And I just love like like is is Pike gonna do something so great that all of Starfleet is gonna be like, you know what, we're just gonna ditch this technology. We're gonna do things how Pike likes it. 
Pike's like, oh, get rid of these touch screens. You know what I want? I Pike's want... opinion is the only one that matters. <laughs> yes. He's going to get assigned, like, to Starfleet Aesthetics Department. And he's like, you know what? I don't like all these touch screens. He's like, you know what I want? I want, like, jelly bean buttons. That's what I want. I want multicolored buttons that people have to push. That's what I want on all of the ships, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no more of those hologram things. Uh, yeah. For at least five years, let's let's put a five year hold on all of this technology, please. I hate it. Um, I feel like that's the direction they're heading in. I love that they're just doing those little tiny pushes um, with him. Those put smiles on yeah, my faces yeah, every yeah. time I hear him talk about that stuff. Um, and let me say this: this is the first time in this whole show that I've been interested, like actually interested, when someone is speaking Klingon. And it was because it was it wasn't Klingon. Oh, because they were speaking to each other. Like, are you speaking yes. Klingon? <laughs> yes. Ah, that was good stuff. Yeah. Um, now, can I say that uh, there was one moment in this episode that I actually said out loud, "Boo!" Okay. I mean, and Lorel wasn't even here to be like, "I'm the mother of Klingon." So I'm curious <laughs> as to what it was. What happened? I don't know why it annoyed me so much, but it was near the end, and mm-hmm. once they like escape. The, the grasp of that orb thing. Yeah. Uh, Michael Burnham says he they let us free so that we could, uh, con- you know, tell their story. And I was like, it was delivered in such a way that I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I don't like the delivery of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, there was a few times in this episode where I thought some of the the lines and the delivery were just didn't work for me yeah it didn't work it it actually felt like tos yeah in that regard you know what i mean yeah it was a a little over the top and a little hammy and the dialogue was a little cheesy yes which you know good homage to the original series (laughs) in that regard um yeah so in that regard it kind of you know i was sitting here thinking i like this episode a lot better than last week's but i think i gave last Mm -hmm. week's episode like a three and a quarter because i think we were all like in between ben gave it a three you gave it a four i think and i gave it like a three and three quarters i think we were like i was in between or something but Mm -hmm. i'm sitting here thinking like you know what this is like a three and a half or a three and three quarters episode too yeah i guess i didn't like it better than last week's episode i just liked the the setup of the mystery orb uh better yeah because it felt like you know that felt like a thing where as last week, it just felt like they were catching us up on characters and had that weird stuff with Amanda, which they recapped, by the way, at the beginning of this episode, which mm-hmm. still didn't ex- help me. It still felt all weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to save Spock. Peace out, Michael. But that that's what I mean, right? Like, that they're trying to push too many stories at once. It does feel like there's a little bit too much happening. And I feel like if they if they focused in like at least two of them, it would be better. Like you, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we'll find out. But mm-hmm. I felt that in this episode, I was fed too many stories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we do the score thingy, uh, a big thank you to Adam Tickets for sponsoring the show. Cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. And, uh, Aurora, what would you give an oval for Karen slash Sharon? <laughs> I, I gave it a three and a half. Okay. So you like this episode probably less than last week's then. 
I liked it more. I, I gave last week's episode a three. Did you? Oh, then maybe it was yeah. Ben that gave it a four. I don't think so. I think Ben gave gave it a two. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> he was really I'll, low. I'll have to go back and listen. <laughs> uh, so a three and a half for and a half. Uh, an oval for mm-hmm. Charon, which is now how I've decided to pronounce this name. Uh, I'm well, I'm torn between three and a half and three and three quarters. Um, yeah, I think I'll. You know what? You've convinced me, Aurora. I'm going to give it three and a half as well. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so two kind of episodes in a row that are sort of just there. Yeah. Let's let's hope for something a little bit better next week. Uh, these aren't bad, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> they haven't been mm-hmm. they haven't been great. They haven't been the first couple of episodes, which were uh, both pretty good. Yeah. So we shall we shall see going forward. Uh, okay, so that's it for the podcast this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. You can hear us come back next week and talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 5. It's called Saints of Imperfection. <laughs>